This week's episode of the Debate Without Debate podcast was quite special. We are very grateful to have had Louis Kotler on the podcast, but this was also one of the longest episodes that we've recorded thus far, so we've decided to break the episodes up into more bite-sized amounts. In the first part of our two-part series with Louis, we talked about how he got started with photography, running a business, his creative process, how having time-space synesthesia affects his life, and some truly amazing projects that he's been working on. Next Saturday, we're going to be publishing the second episode uh, or the second half of this discussion. We hope you enjoy this episode of DWD. Now, without further ado, let's hop right into this conversation. Episode 004, just a quick forewarning for you guys, this episode might be a little bit long, so I think we're going to divide it up into two parts, but today's episode is really, really important, really amazing. We have an amazing guest with us here today, Louie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. (laughs) The only one with the round of applause so far. (laughs) All right. So, Louie, I've been told that you're a photographer, coder went to the moon, invented the pogo stick, everything and everything. So just to get started, is there anything that you want to let the audience know before we actually hop into the the questionnaire? A little bit about who I am? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I? Well, people call me a computer, I guess, you know, that (laughs) might be right in some ways. Very, I like to be analytical, logical as much as possible. You know what I mean? I don't really, it's not that I like it. That's just just how I'm wired, you know? Mm. So that's why I'm interested in the things that are, have very, you know, like, um, intricate aspects to them, like, uh, coding and to me, photography as well. A lot of people might not see that, but I think it's a very intricate process. And I like to, you know, sit out there with a camera for an hour just to get one good picture by taking a thousand pictures with a slight little variation between each one of them. So I just like, I like precision. I like detail, you know? All right, so just regarding the whole coding the photography thing, which one came first? Photography def- uh, definitely came first for me, but I actually do think it kind of led into the coding, although they're pretty unrelated. I started with, um, a long time ago, what was that? 2012, the GoPro Hero 3 came out, and I see all those videos online of them doing crazy action sports yeah. with it, and I'm like, this is this is crazy. This is amazing. I want to be a part of this. And because they make you <laughs> But Louis they, can't do any sports, so he's just like, I'm gonna run. <laughs> no, just tennis, none of that surfing and hell skiing and all that. <sighs> so they they make you feel with their marketing campaign like you can be a part of it if you get their camera. Yeah. So of course I wanted to get their camera. Because yeah. I also saw what people made with it, just little short films, and mm. I was really interested in that at the time. Um just watching a lot of stuff on YouTube, that's how I learned. I watched the GoPro Hero 3 unboxing video. Probably I probably watched about one to two hundred unboxing videos of the camera. Good God. Because I was just that was the first real purchase that I ever made myself with my own money that I really cared about. So for some reason I just got totally obsessed mm. with it. Where where did you get that money from? That's a good question. It was probably drugs. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was probably just um from just family over the years collecting okay. up, you know what I mean? That was yeah. before I really had any businesses. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, that though. too, yeah. though, yeah. So once I got that, I started shooting all the time, and I just, you know, compiled all of this, you know, information and mm. 
just videos and it was great to watch and I got really excited about it. I brought it everywhere on family trips and then I upgraded to uh, DSLR and then I started taking, uh, shifting more towards photography and I just kept going with that and I got really, really interested in it. So that's kind of what started all of that for me. Mm. So do, do you still film at all or is it just like you've left it in the past? No, I've kind of left filmmaking in the past. I did a while ago. I, I thought, you know, I'm going to be a director one day, but a lot, everyone says that, mm-hmm. but I knew that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. I kind of had to, I actually came in a, to a crossroads once I realized there was one specific day when I was like, okay, I have to decide now. I can't do photography and filmmaking at the same time. It's just, it's not going to work because mm-hmm. I have to, when I'm going on a trip, I don't have enough space to bring all of that stuff so i kind of have to decide because i want to focus on something you know what i mean Mm. that's what i like to do i try to focus on one thing to be the best at it instead of be just okay at a lot of different that's interesting that's something that i've been thinking a lot about lately whether or not to specialize and just be really breath not depth yeah i I don't know I, i think i come from a different perspective i think i try and do a lot of things like pretty well but i'm a big believer in the fact that if you do one step more than what everyone expects you get way more results than you know super specializing and yeah you could be like a leader in your field but if you're a leader in like nano micro technological biology and people are like i have no idea what the hell you're doing and i don't know how it impacts your my life then people are like you know i I, it's great that you specialize but um (laughs) you're not impacting me but no i i think for you being really good at photography i've seen some of your stuff I mean, your background on your desktop, which I still think is really funny. Um, but, yo, your photography is is crazy. Like, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to, to demonstrate a little of them on our... That is uh, louiscotler.com. <laughs> Damn, he's already <laughs> plugging. Yeah, we were going to plug that at the yeah. end, but no, for real. Like, go, go check out the website because the photography on there is nuts. Insane. Do you still upload regularly on there? Not regularly. I really should be. Okay. I really should be. It was more when I was uh, doing a lot of photography work. That's when I kept uploading. Mm. But now I've shifted a little bit away from that, which I'm assuming we're going to talk a bit yeah, about Yeah, we will. Later. We yep. will. So when you say photography work, do you work for particular people? Do they hire you at all? Yeah, so I used to do that. The first thing that I started out with was being a second shooter, which means literally just, you know, holding the other person's extra lenses, setting up their lighting, um, changing the flashes, and just being an an all-around assistant so that all they have to do is really click the shutter and I do everything else for them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started with, and then I realized, you know, that's okay, but definitely a step up would be doing it on my own. And I found uh, there's a place called H on the Harbor around here, and they do lots of bar mitzvahs. It's just an event space. Sure. And they wanted to add some a photographer to their packages of what they sell. So they found me for a relatively low cost, and I just went in every few weeks and just did bar mitzvahs. And it wasn't enjoyable for me, but I saw it as a way of it just let me keep going. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And by getting the money from that, I could use it to buy more equipment and go out more and shoot more. So when where like what age were you when when you started this i was well uh let's see probably like 12 is when i i realized that i liked photography yeah that's when i started shooting and and when you started with the um the group that you say are what is it called the harbor something oh each on the harbor yeah yeah, yeah. so when did you start with them that was probably in 20 15 2016 maybe okay yeah dang so that's pretty crazy so you said that you started off with the go ho go go ho <laughs> gopro hero <laughs> three was it yeah. three so who taught you the small like settings and stuff right that's what i'm that's why i'm saying 
I watch like so many oh, YouTube you, videos. I literally learn everything myself because I just not only because I had to, I really enjoyed it. Just the researching process and making sure that I know everything about everything. Dang. It was that was really important to me, and I think that's helped a lot with um, computer programming because I just go home and I just learn everything that I possibly can. No one's really taught me the stuff that I do, dude. I, rem- I remember talking to you. I, I don't remember if it was about coding or photography, but. You said that you had to like transcribe something from Russian, and you would like talk to your parents and ask them. I was first. I don't even remember what it was, but anyway, I. That sounds right. I don't remember exactly what it is, but that's yeah. Right. yeah. But no, I respect that. And yo, YouTube, that is life changing. The amount of resources which we have is tremendous. Yeah, Just to know nice. that you, as as a photographer and coder and just about everything that you've done renaissance taught, man. yeah you're really a <laughs> renaissance man or a man of our generation you know like you've learned from what i'm hearing you've learned everything from youtube which seems pretty freaking crazy just to think because like 10 years ago we would have not had the opportunities and yet. and the fact that and I, we'll get into this a little more in depth later but louis now has jobs related to those things and it all started because he learned through youtube that's funny because amon had a really similar story although amon isn't a photographer or doesn't really i mean do anything he's, like he's that. a videographer you could you yeah could see his video that we did but with amon him. was really yeah like in one of his college essays he was i read it and he's like hey joey can you read this for me and it was all just talking about how he was bred through youtube like everything that he that everything that he learned <laughs> was from youtube so uh like from fashion to how to talk to people literally just the basic things in life he was taught through youtube it's kind of weird yeah that was actually what my my college essay was about. really well it was about how i just being self-taught oh yeah because i remember washu washu's essay is like how do you oh man this was the hardest one i gotta say uh, this was like the <laughs> we last... were sitting in a hotel room asher's just like oh my god this was like oh, the last god. one i did and i was like yo isn't it what is it it's what sparks your creativity intellectual interest or something like that yeah was that when you wrote about it um or was it for your that was my main college essay was being self-taught first uh what sparks my creativity that was definitely entrepreneurship sure um with deca which is a club that we have at our school for business and it's business competitions yeah so that's That's, what i wrote that's pretty cool i i I honestly love that and i've been reading a lot more lately as some as i've talked to some people who might know about it um and one book that i read was one of the first ones is drive by daniel h pink if anyone is interested in business or interested in how to motivate other people or how to motivate yourself this book really helped uh and one thing that i've always respected about you louis is that you have such internal motivation to get stuff done um and that's a hard thing to find amongst kids especially when you're in high school because honestly I've always known that you know your lane and you just go full at it. Even if you change lanes, you just go full speed ahead. And that's something very valuable to have. That's also why I'm glad we have this podcast to talk to people who do stuff like that. Because for me, it makes me much more excited about what I do. But on top of that, y'all deserve the utmost credit in the entire world because you're doing amazing stuff. And I mean, if anyone checks out your photography stuff, they will know off the bat that what you do with lighting to start off with, like some of the pictures that you've shown me, the, the one, I think it's like the first one you'll see when, when you go onto his website is the one with your sister, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That picture to me was just so crazy. Um, and when I got to see your process, especially when I came over to your house and you had, I don't even remember, what was it? Like a it was wool steel wool, yeah. So I take a long insulated wire and then I tie it to a 
uh, whisk that you bake with, mm. and then I feel the fill the inside of the whisk with uh, fine grain steel wool that you can get at a hardware store. It's graded by zeros. Don't know why. So it's grade zero 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 zero, which is like the finest grain steel wool, <laughs> which means it, it lights well. So then I light it on fire and I spin it around my head and. As it's spinning around, sparks shoot out of it. But since it's spinning, it goes out in this radial pattern, and it kind of makes an umbrella around Dude, you. It's actually crazy. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, when I got to do it, I mean, listen, this stuff hurt. Like when it touched my yeah, skin, yeah, it hurt. It hurt. It hurts. But it was crazy because he sent me the pictures of what he took, and I was just like, "This is," I I would have never thought of that. Like, who would think to put steel wool? And most like people look on my website and they think that I'm using Photoshop. I promise I'm not. Don't worry. That's None what I've it. always... You have one that yeah, kind of looks yeah. like Cubist in a way where it has like a whole bunch of different colors and it almost looks like boxes. I don't even know how to describe it. Like the Aurora lights or Aurora Borealis or whatever the hell. It kind of looks like that, but like more brick-like. I never understood how you did it. That's not... I'm not, I'm not sure which one you're talking about, yeah. but I know on my website right now, I think there is one picture that I've taken that... I layered two pictures on top of each other. Not sure if that's one that's the one Man. that you're talking about, but I I think there's only one right now. Wow. Where, where I've done anything to And that. even that's minimal editing. Yeah. Gosh. Wow. So when you take all this stuff, um you said that you take thousands of pictures. What's that process like? Like how are you how are you coming at this? When you I just want to think through your creative vision. Do you have a thought in your mind of what you want to do and then you just try and figure out where it comes out? Absolutely. I see everything in my head before I do anything. And it's kind of, I don't know why, it's very involuntary. And I think we're also going to get into that later about yeah. what I see in my head. Because we we could get into that now. Sure, you want to? Yeah, yeah let's right. do it. So I have something called time-space synesthesia. Not, um, It's not a bad thing. It's not like a disease or anything. Yeah. It's kind of... It adds a little bit to me. I'm not sure in what ways yet. I'm still figuring that out. But basically, the, the way that I realized it was, I just realized, I just thought this was totally normal and that everyone else had it. But I see time in my head as, as having a spatial representation. So what that means is, the first way I figured it out was, I see the months of the year in a giant elliptical pattern, like an elliptical road kind of around me. Yeah. And if I look right now, since, um, what is it, March? I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it's March. <laughs> so right now, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm in March, and I can see the other years around me. And to my right is um, earlier in the year, December goes around the corner of the curve, and as it keeps going, September is the other curve, and then it keeps going, and June and July is the, um, the curve, and I'm, I know I'm going backwards, but... Um, that's just how I see it in my head and they all have colors, but they're not distinct colors. So I can't tell you what color a month <laughs> is sometimes. Joey's face right now is actually so funny. He's I have that in terms of like smell. When I smell something, I'm like, it's brown. You can have that. Right. That's, like, that's that. synesthesia. That's, that is synesthesia. This is just a specific type of synesthesia. Yeah, synesthesia is just the crossing of the senses. Yep. Mm -hmm. So like Joey said. That is an I, AP Lang definition right there. But that, that's that is very true. <laughs> Shout out Miss Sarah Jody for that one. Um, but Joey, when Joey says, like, he, he would always say, I taste brown. And I was like, what does that even mean? Brown doesn't have a taste. It's a color. Yeah, but anyway, back, back so to Louis. That's the first yeah. thing that I realized. Because yeah. um, I, li I literally looked up. I see the calendar like i see the months of the year in a circle 
And that's the first thing that came up. No way. And I was like, oh my God, other people actually have this. Because, <laughs> because I didn't know. I just thought, I assumed everyone else had it. Because mm. think about it, I can't be in someone else's head, so I don't know what they're thinking. That's true. So if I've never seen any other side of it, I'm just going to assume that I'm like everyone else and everyone else has that. And I think of it that way in the days of the week too. They're also in a little, um, they go around in, in an ellipse and it has Monday through Friday down one side of it. And then it curves up to Saturday and Sunday and then curves back into Monday and I don't know, I, um, Saturday and Sunday take up a whole half of the ellipse and Monday through Friday take up the other half. And I think it's because Saturday and Sunday are much more important to me because that's when I get to do what I want to do. Because a lot of my life, like the programming and photography, I don't get to do that in school. Facts. All the stuff that I want to do, I Facts. do outside of school. I stay up way too late because I just want to do what I want to yes. do. And school just frustrates me because it holds me back from, I've already, it's, I've been really lucky because I know what I want to do early. But school isn't designed that way right now in high school. It's designed to give you an overview in, of everything. And that's great for a majority of people, which is why they do it. But it's not good for me. It doesn't work with, with me. So that's why I was a little bit of a tangent. But no, but it's facts, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, just, that's how I feel about the education process for me personally, which is why I'm really yeah. excited to get out of here and go to college where I can so be with see, the, pe- the so other true. people. Who yeah, feel I, I was thinking how, how I feel. You know, I was talking to a few of my teachers last week, and it might seem kind of weird because we're kind of critiquing the whole education system for people who are really creative like yourself, but I was just talking to one of my teachers, and I was like, they were just mentioning to me that the future is creativity, right? People like you, people who pursue endeavors which aren't in the core curriculum of what schools offer, and yet school is training us to be Factory workers. That's the intention of school. That was for the what past it was literally three, created for. Yeah, just to make sure that kids don't get into trouble and they become factory workers yep. so they can have a unionized job. That's really it, right? Yep. And so I was just thinking, like, what, if the future is creativity, why are they killing it? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really make sense. And only the people who have internal motivation, like Louis, right, are the people who are actually going to thrive in the new world that we're going to end up living and in. This, this is especially true with the increase in automation in every single field studies are study after study and we can link one of them i know an oxford study or two oxford studies that say that uh, some somewhere up to 50 percent of all of our jobs will be automated by the time of like 2050 which is crazy and that's why some people uh, shout out andrew yang who's running for 2020 as a democrat is pushing for uh, universal basic income which I think in the future, we will probably have a debate about on our roundtable segment, which, by the way, guys, is going to be starting very soon. Um, but back to, back to you, Louis, for, for a quick second. So the one thing I think is kind of interesting uh, with the time-space synesthesia, especially when you drew it out for me, uh, like I had, I had no idea that this thing exists. But so you, you mentioned that Saturday and Sunday have much bigger space when it yeah, comes to time. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the months. Yeah. August biggest month on there They're what do you not, do during august the, that makes it so big because that's the summer that's when i yeah. get to do what i want to do it's the yeah. same thing and same with july july's july and august take up half of the whole it's not even a like ellipse and the other months just don't from january to uh may they're tiny mm. it's because i don't do anything in this time that i really care about you know what i mean I don't know. I don't know why I don't decide for it to be that way. The whole thing is involuntary. I don't even think about it. I don't try to think about it. If you tell me a month, I have no choice. I'm just going to see that in my mind. It's just always there. And then I start, I've started to learn more things about myself because there's more to it that I didn't even realize when people talk to me and I'm trying to really pay attention. I'm reading what they're saying. I see that. 
If you talk to me, what? I'm try- if <laughs> what? I can't even read. <laughs> now you're reading what I'm saying. I literally, I discovered this only a few months ago. I didn't wow. even know it was the same thing because it's such a part of how I live. It's always been this way that I wouldn't really notice it because it's just always there. You know mm. what I mean? I don't even think about it. So I was, I was describing that to my parents one day and they were like, you realize like no one else does this. <laughs> right? And I don't know no, if I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to listen to what you're saying. You're, the words that you're saying it's literally like subtitles and I'm trying to read it because the way that that helps me is it helps me keep up because when you're on the next word, the last word's already gone. But if I have that like written down in front of me, it's still there. So I can still read it as a Mm. full, as a full set of words. He just noticed. He's like, damn, this dude has subtitles, but there's no subtitles. No, I actually have subtitles. (laughs) It's so weird. I don't know why. Your whole, your whole life is a movie then. Your whole life is an Indian movie where you have to have the English yeah. on. <laughs> Too bad I wasn't a filmmaker. <laughs> True. Damn, wait, that's... that's. I didn't even know this. That's crazy. I thought this was normal. <laughs> I've never... Th- I'm just trying to think, and what would that look like? it's also totally involuntary. It's yeah. not always. Like, right now, it's fine because it, this is like a casual yeah. conversation. But if I'm really trying to pay attention, they're just there. I don't huh. know why. It makes it easier, too. The brain's crazy, dude. Neuroscience is also crazy. The more I, I research into neuroscience, the more I am just amazed with what our brain can do and that we use so little of it. We use like 10% oh, yeah. of our brain. Have you seen that movie Lucy? Where I have not, but I heard I heard about it. And yeah, she like goes crazy yeah, or something. How much you can use of your brain. Well, I don't even, I mean, oh, another thing with the reading. That's also how I have, I have pretty good memorization and it's because I'm reading off of it. When I study for a test, I write down the facts on a paper and I study them and I don't have a photographic memory, mm. but to recall that information, often I'm literally reading it from my mind. Like I'm just looking at that piece of paper, That's but I don't have a photograph. Yeah, sometimes I, that happens to me too. Like, right. Uh, so there are definitely crossovers sure. with like just every. I remember I was on a bio test. I was taking a bio test last year. I think it was like mytosis or something. And I'm like, bro, what page was it on? I literally flipped to the page yeah, in my yeah. head. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like it's one third of the page down. And that's exactly what the sentence is. And I got, that's just how it works. I don't know why. Yeah, see, that's why it was hard for me to know, to find the distinction between that being a normal thing, Mm. but the subtitles not being a normal thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's, that's nuts, dude. I never even, I've never even heard of that. I never heard of time, space, synesthesia until you talked to me about it last year. And I was like, dude, this is huge. You have to write about it. People must know. Because I was like, yo, there are probably so many other people who probably have it who don't even know. And I'm sure people will listen to this and be like, oh, my God. Louis, I have right, that yeah. too. <laughs> totally. And it'll because be the first time they normal. hear about yeah. it. That's nuts, dude. Or they'll be like, this dude. This, this dude's nuts. Shit. Just crazy. This, dude, this dude's <laughs> on some stuff. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, all right. Back to, back to a little bit of the photography stuff. So I remember you started your own photography type uh, business stuff, right? Where people could hire you. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was just um, contract work. I was I would just um, get myself out there with my website and through friends and family and people would say, oh, I need a photographer for this event for two hours. Why go spend like $1,000 with a super professional photographer if you just need pictures of your family? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's what my client base was. And I just went around for a while and every few weeks I would get a good job like that and I would go and they would, everyone was always really happy with the work. Mm-hmm. So then they would refer their friends to me and it would keep going and going. So that's kind of how I built up my business in that way. And it was the same thing um, where did I enjoy it? I'm not sure. sure. I don't really, I don't really know. I, 
I didn't want to go do it, but I was always willing to do it because I knew that it would help fuel future business and it would just help me do what I want to do in the future. Because if you, you have connections and you just have money to work with, you can, if you want to put your money into something and go learn something new, it's there now. You know mm. what I mean? So I kind of saw it as an investment for the future instead of an investment for right now. It's it's kind of like small scale marketing, which, so I've been listening to, do you know who Gary V is? Gary yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been listening to him a little bit more and something that he's really on the wave of now is all this like super specialized marketing where people have like a thousand followers, but let's say all thousand of them do um, like a Patreon thing and they the people end up making like They're a million dollars, right? Um, but he talks about how micro or just like the small interactions that you have. I remember him talking about how sometimes it's better to be like the go-to guy working for The Rock, but getting paid like $52,000 a year instead of working for Gary Vaynerchuk on a desktop, like consulting for somebody making $500,000 a year because everybody knows you're The Rock's guy. Like you are their, uh, videographer right so when you get referred to other people that's what starts that whole process of building a platform building a business and and basically you became your own uh like substantiated business through that which is pretty cool yeah it's kind of unfortunate for a lot of people who don't start out in a good position but who you know is everything facts yeah i was about to ask that how did you how did you network throughout this whole process um first it just started with it was just family. So that was really easy to start with, but my family has family. My family has friends that I've never heard of. And <laughs> once, uncle Bilbo wants a photo. <laughs> once I, once I get a good um, reaction from the final results, which I was really lucky was every time they would just refer me again and again, because I was cheaper than everyone else. That's really how, how I got in because I didn't need all of that money that the professional photographers were making. They're making a living off of this stuff. And I can just offer a cheaper alternative. Dude, you know that, I mean? that's the smart stuff. That's how you undercut their value. Because if you can do, you know, if you could do 80% of their results, but you do it for like a tenth of their price, dude, people yeah, exactly. will love you. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't care. I don't get the extra 20% in, in the success of what your photos look like. They look good enough. I can't tell the difference. And it and towards the end, I started working my way up too much where the prices that I was, that I had were fine for some people, but some people were like, no, 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 I want to pay 20 bucks for like two hours so i started out at the very bottom and i kind of accidentally worked myself up to the point where now there was a whole nother market below me for even cheaper work dang like there were multiple levels it wasn't just me and the professional photographers i worked up to the middle and then there was a whole nother market for a uh, kid with a camera who doesn't really know how to take so it's like you you outgrew yeah. that whole that whole uh yeah. wow that's that's really interesting to think about um and obviously you you do deca um how do you think so DECA is uh, just a business club for anyone who doesn't Rip. know. <laughs> yeah, Joey tried, tried doing that for a little. But uh, how do you think that helped you when it came to business-related stuff? Because when it when it comes to, to being a teenager, running a business is hard. Um, I mean, you can't even officially create a business until you're 18. But I'm, I'm just wondering how that impacted you. Well, it's, it started because both my parents have business degrees, so I just hear about all of this stuff constantly. And I ask them so many questions, it's it's unreal. I just pester them all day with random business questions because I just want to, I just really want to, I just want to know everything about everything. You know what I mean? If I'm interested in it, I'm going to ask a million questions. And that's why I go online because people will answer my questions. Thanks. But, um, so what was it? DECA. So it kind of gave a tangible 
it made my ideas tangible. Well, it forced me to make my ideas tangible. I've had all these ideas. Oh, I should make this. I should do this. This would be a great idea. But actually do it. Make a business plan. Make yeah. a presentation. Yeah. Make a prototype. And that's really what helped me succeed in DECA was making it even more tangible than just that and making it making it physical and something that the judges can hold in their hand. No one else did that in the competition. Oh, yeah. So can what you, did you do exactly? Yeah, please so, talk about this. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And he actually made it. Um, the, the premise of the competition is create a product or service that doesn't exist and present it to us as if you're pitching it to us and we're investors. So they're usually like three judges. They're supposed to be a, a board of investors and that's what they're going to act like. Um, and it's kind of like Shark Tank. Mm. So what I came up with my first idea was, um, a backpack with interchangeable parts. I called it adapted pack and <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it was basically, I have, I have like five different backpacks because I do so many different things. I have like, oh, I'm going to go hike. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go take pictures. I'm going to go on a trip. And that's just, it gets so overwhelming and it's so unnecessary to have all these different things specialized for different needs. But really at the base, they're all the same. Just the straps on the back and the pockets and yeah. the middle part is only what changes. So I came up with, I took a backpack, my school backpack at the time cut everything off except just the back panel of it with the straps on. So it's just a backpack with no pockets, nothing flat. Mm. And then um, I designed 3D printed rails, a system that each pocket that you add onto the backpack has that rail system on the back of it. Oh, and what you sense. can do is, oh, I want a large uh, front pocket like for school, right? You just slide that on and it clicks into place. Oh, on top of that, I want a spot for my phone, for my water bottle, for this, for that. And it all just clicks into place because each item that you put onto the rails has that same rail on the back of itself. So yeah. you can keep adding to it. So that may, that means that you can have one backpack for everything. So although it costs more to get into that whole system, because that's probably going to cost the way that I was marketing it, what was it was going to cost more than a regular backpack but it's going to cost way less than all like five, five of your backpacks. Other backpacks. Yeah, yeah. That's smart. That's smart. I didn't know. I didn't even know you created that. I was more interested in the one where it was oh, weightless uh, weights. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. that so, stuff was crazy. <laughs> I thought that that was my better idea, sure. but the judges unfortunately didn't really see the vision. Okay, in so I went to nationals for both of them. I was really lucky to have that experience. And when I went to uh, Atlanta last year for the last round of nationals with this idea, my judge just she was like, to be honest, she told me this, to be honest, I don't really understand what this is or what you're doing. She was an older woman who maybe wasn't as in touch with technology, but sure. that's okay. You have to, normally in a real world situation, you would be pitching to an investor who's probably had some familiarity with the with the space that you're working in. But okay, so weightless weights, as you called it. Um, I called it the armadillo. Okay. Um, it's a, basically a set of electromagnets an electromagnetic electromagnetic repulsion that can create um, a resistance force against you without actually having any weight. So think of it like this. Think about um, the flaps of an accordion, right? If you were to put um, electromagnets on each flap of the accordion and compressed it together, obviously turning the electromagnets on um, and in an orientation where they um, push against each other, yep. then you have a lot of resistance force right there. So I, what I thought about is bring that down to a smaller size and put that between two limbs where your muscles are. So if you put that 
one end of the accordion, if we're still talking about that, on your forearm, and the other side on the top of your bicep. And if you try to close your arm, all of those magnets are going to push against each other Which more and more resistance. as you get closer and closer. So you could put that anywhere. You could put that on uh, in between your legs. Um, you could do like concentric and eccentric movements anywhere um, around your body where you can attach something like that, and it would be pretty small um, and battery powered. So I realized that that was a great opportunity for people who don't want to go have to go to a gym to get an entire weight set, and it would be even cheaper than an, an entire weight set. A regular weight set with, you know, like two to 50 pound weights or whatever is like $500 because yeah. it's got this big stand and it's enormous and you can't go anywhere with it. This you can travel with. So obviously it would be sold in a set of two. And you got some questions. I love Joey Joey's about face. I was just good. thinking like, I thought that your intention was to help people with physical therapy or something. So like that's that. definitely, th- that was almost an afterthought because I realized um, the potential when I thought about weight, you can change since it's electro since it's electronically controlled. Change the you magnitude. You can change the resistance force. Yeah. Not only before you start working out, but in between a single movement. So let's say you're an athlete and you're a pitcher, and you the bottom of if you go and lift weights, you can lift weights fine from the bottom of a pull up to the middle, but the top of your weight lift is really weak. With a regular weight system, you would have no way to train for that specific spot. Doesn't a resistance band just fix all those issues, though? Resistance band for... No, so you know, it, probably still, it probably still has the same issues. For instance, let's say that the, the top of, let's say, yeah. a bicep curl is weak for you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe not. I don't know. But theoretically. Yeah. Then couldn't just a resistance band when... You pull it just much like a rubber band. When you pull it more, the tension increases. Yeah, but imagine be- doing that with like crazy precision to the point where you can map out beforehand where you're weak and where you're strong and program into it to get higher at that point or oh, lower. Or like, lo- it like micro doses your exercise. Oh, or lower sure. at that point. Because think about it like this if I'm putting most of the weight on the top of my bicep pull because that's where I'm the weakest. That's what that's where I'm going to reach muscle failure first, right? Because muscle failure is really important for people that work out because that's when that's when you're done, right? So, if I'm weak at the top, I'm never going to really be able to work out the bottom because that's what's going to fail first. But then I could flip it the other way. Then I could say, "Okay, I'm weakest at the top, but I want to work out the bottom now." So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it super low at the top, low resistance so that I can keep working out the bottom and then the bottom will fail at the same time that the top does. Normally with regular weights, since you can't change that, you would always have muscle failure at your weakest point. But now if you bring the weights down at that weakest point, then you can really have muscle failure. So have you brought you it to that it. point where you had like an app or a program? That- so I, I did start making an app, but I, I realized that that wasn't really worth it for the competition. Mm. Um, but what I did do is actually get, I bought electromagnets from this China. Was, this was and the I, craziest part. And I set them up and actually had electromagnetic repulsion going on in front of the judges, judges showing them how it worked. Um, it was like most a levitating them, rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a <laughs> it levitation was system. It was, it literally, he showed me a video of it. He literally made it. We talk about having a great idea, which by the way, this idea to begin with is just amazing. But to actually go out as a, as a high school student, uh, a junior to be exact, and then make it, or at least a prototype to show to people, 
Like that's next level. And if they can't appreciate it, then like they can go frick themselves because the this idea is crazy. And if you were to present it to anybody who actually knows what the purpose, like for example, and I'm sure you would talk about this a little bit, um, to use it for space. Because that seems absolutely yeah. That, that seems like the biggest thing and the easiest way. So like a SpaceX, right? They want to put people in Mars, but yeah. people they got to train because if you lose all your muscle mass, then right. you're and just going to die. Density goes down yeah. Uh, so, but if you can use something like this, and I, I'd love for you to talk about this, it might change the whole game. Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it all. It's not sure. <laughs> not, not really. No, no, it's fine. Not a really complicated concept, but yeah, I mean, it means that you can do this anywhere in zero gravity because there's the the gravity doesn't matter there's nothing to pull down against because it's you pushing against yourself and those magnets so you can really do it anywhere and in a really compact size and bring it with you anywhere and it's cheaper than regular weights so it's kind of a crazy all-in-one thing that you can do and you can even now track that with someone who's trying to help you get better for physical therapy as you were saying so let's say now that i can record all of this data that can be sent to doctors, medical professionals, Dang, and yeah, physical therapists, so and they can say, you know what, last week we saw that um, your performance went down uh, right at uh, the towards like the top of your bicep pull. I think you might have like pulled something or something was wrong there. Has that been feeling sore? And you were like, oh yeah, I thought like <laughs> that was just because I worked out a lot. And they were like, no, we can tell by the trend. This You're is usually what this is usually like what happens when you go wow. too hard and and they'll stop you in time. That that's a game changer when it comes to I mean space SpaceX is doing amazing things right now and they're they're launching more rockets than any other country combined. Um but to think about that in particular, that's a game changer because if we really do want to get to Mars, if we really do want to have space exploration, we either need to do one of two things. We have the system that we have right now where people get zero gravity right when they're out in space but then we need something like louis talking about or you reverse engineer the whole thing and have a system where gravity exists inside of the rocket which seems a lot more difficult i don't know anyone who's been able to do that but this idea dude like i don't even know how you thought of it it was when you started talking to me about ideas when i sleep don't know why that's just how it is is it dreams i don't think it's dreams it's kind of the state where like i've I'm going to sleep and I'm half asleep, but not when I'm dreaming. Mm. I'm not sure why, but that's like, that's how I got the adaptive pack idea. That's how I got the weight training system idea. Um, and that's how I solve a lot of coding problems that I have, honestly. Like I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I figured it out. My brain figured it out for me while I was sleeping. Now <laughs> I got it. So now I can go finish what I was trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think about it for so long and it just, it's always stuck in my head. Like I'm, my mind is never at rest just in regular day just activities. My mind is never at rest. I don't know why, but I'm, there's such a, there's just a cue backed up of everything that I'm trying to do and everything that I'm trying to think of and get done or solve. And I can never be just at like a rest state of nothing. I don't know why it's kind of annoying sometimes, but it's good because there's always something working to try to Mm. get something done in the back of my mind. That's crazy. I have so many questions. Go, 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 please. No, the first thing is with your whole... Yes, I'm not from here. And from (laughs) here, I mean Earth, but that's okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for the whole... Is it called the armadillos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I should probably explain why I called it that. So the shape of an accordion matches the shell of an armadillo, that curved structure with layers in between. So that's why. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Okay, I'm just... I'm thinking about anatomy. I'm like, how would you do... So do you have to have the two electromagnets connected to your... So it wouldn't be two. It would be a large series of tiny electromagnets, like flaps 
between your arm. Well, like what does an electromagnet even look like? It's a, it's a basically a coil of copper wire can be an electromagnet. Louis definitely electrocuted himself. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually kind of, I've started, I wanted to work with mains power, or AC power, which is like what comes out yeah. of outlets, but I always get really scared because I'm like, I know this is fun, but I could kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. That That's how I made my light switch. Oh, <laughs> we we need to talk about. Oh, I'm gonna write that down, Joe. Keep going. Your oh no, I was I was like, well, where did the armadillo come from? But you answered that. Also, like, how do you suppose you would be hitting every single body part if you were to use electromagnets? Like, how would you do a back pull movement if you were to use electromagnets? No, no, you wouldn't be hitting every single body part. There's no way. But it this is just to cover most of the bases for a lot of different exercises, and of course, if we looked into it further, we could probably figure out different methods for how to exercise everything. You know what I mean? There's, um, they even have it for, uh, um, big, like bigger weights with an actual, um, bar. Uh, someone, what was it? This one wasn't my idea. I found someone who, I mean, it, it would never work, but they were thinking of putting electromagnets on the end of a bar and then having electromagnets underneath it. And when you, push up there's a resistance force between them yeah so that like that made sense that i found that actually after i made my whole project but there d- people have thought about this before I'm, mm. I'm not i mean of course i'm not the first one to think of something like this maybe the first one to think of it in uh, an accordion style format but there have been thoughts about how to do it but no one's been able to pull have it you ever heard yet. of bulletproof labs before hmm not sure okay but. so they talk about this thing i was watching this whole video about it they, they mention a lot of similar types of equipment like what you're talking about. Not exactly, but the whole premise is basically biohacking. I think, well, who made this video? It was like Skylife or something. I don't know. But the whole premise of this gym is that they don't have regular equipment like dumbbells, bench press, all that generic bro body stuff. Um, instead, they have machines which, quote unquote, biohack your body. So you can... They, they do particular movements like I don't even know what it is, but they have this treadmill thing where you're you're hooked up to it and it decreases the oxygen levels, yet increases the oxygen levels and it fluctuates so that you have more of a calorie burn or something like that. Uh, they have like isotherapy chambers, weird stuff, which just completely biohacks your body. It seems really similar to what you're talking about just because you're using weird technology which i would i would have never thought that anyone would use some electrically powered magnets to to train their body but they they do stuff that's similar to that so i don't know i'll I'll look into that we'll link the video too at that in the description of our podcast just just for people who are interested the world's first biohacking facility i've never even heard of that i'll i want to look into it too this marks the end of part one hope y'all enjoyed tune in next saturday to listen to the second portion of the episode with louis see you then